Hi, I'm Walter Lane, and you've tuned in to a sermon podcast from the Netherwood Park Church of Christ in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thanks for listening. Wonderful to be with you this morning. I hope that you came this morning uh, with your hearts open for God to speak to you this morning. I hope you came in expectation. I hope that you look forward to this time all week long and that you came expecting God to move in powerful ways. And my firm belief is, is that if you came in with that expectation, that's what has happened and that's what will continue to happen here this morning. For those of you who are visiting with us today, I want to say thank you very much for being with us. We really do appreciate you being here. And I want you to know that this year we've been focused on living uncomfortably. Back in January, we adopted the theme, Out of the Boats, Living Uncomfortably. And over the last several weeks, we've been revisiting and we've been re-emphasizing that theme. And we've been doing that through a series of what I've been calling Uncomfortable Sermons. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at different warning signs, different warning signs that our Christianity has become too comfortable, maybe become too easy, maybe even become too cheap. And the warning sign that we'll be examining today reads like this. Your Christianity has become too comfortable if you don't have time during your week for even the simplest of spiritual activities. Spiritual activities like daily prayer and Bible reading. Or maybe we could phrase it differently. Your Christianity has become too comfortable if engaging with God throughout your week isn't your priority. So what do I hope to accomplish this morning? Hope to accomplish in our time together. Well, my goal is for each of us to leave here prepared to seriously and perhaps uncomfortably examine our priorities. Examine our priorities. If that doesn't sound uncomfortable, it probably should. So how do you go about examining your priorities? Well, it seems like the most straightforward way to find out someone's priorities would be just to ask them, right? Walk up to them and say, so what are your priorities? And if I stop this sermon right now and I had all of you turn to someone close to you and ask them that question, what are your priorities, what would you expect to hear? Well, we're here on a Sunday, right? And we're in church and we're among Christian brothers and sisters. So we would probably expect to hear some things that would go something like this. Well, my priorities are my God. My priorities are my church. My priorities are my family. 
my friends, my neighbors. That sounds like what we would expect to hear, doesn't it? But, you know, there's a problem with asking people to tell you their priorities. You know what that problem is? Well, the problem is most of us are much better at telling other people what our priorities should be or what we wish our priorities were. We're much better at telling people that than actually telling what our priorities are. In fact, I believe that most of us would rather not examine our priorities too deeply or too closely because that kind of examination is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because shining a light on our true priorities often exposes a significant gap. A gap between what we know our priorities should be and what that examination reveals that our priorities really are. It's uncomfortable because shining a light on our true priorities often reveals a divide between what we wish our priorities were and what that examination reveals them to be. And remember, my goal for this morning is for each of us to leave here prepared to seriously examine our priorities, which means in at least some way my goal is for each of us to leave here and do something really uncomfortable. So how do we do that? How do we go about really examining, truly discovering, truly revealing our true priorities? Well, there are a couple of tried and true methods. One method is to look at your bank statements. See, where you choose to spend your discretionary money, that provides some really good clues about what your true priorities really are. And we're going to be touching on that method in a couple of weeks. So that method isn't going to be our focus this morning. But the second tried and true method is the one that we will concentrate on this morning. And that method is examining how we choose to spend our discretionary time. How we choose to use our discretionary time. Well, why would we do that? Well, we would do that because examining the way that we use our time may not perfectly reveal our priorities, but I'm here to tell you it will provide some very strong clues. Examining how we spend our discretionary time, how we choose to spend that time, will help us see what our priorities really are instead of just saying what we know they should be or what we wish they were. How we spend our time helps reveal what we truly value, what we really treasure, what we really prioritize in our lives. And it helps us do that because Jesus was exactly right when he said, for where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. I think we can safely paraphrase Jesus this way, for where our time is spent there will be our priorities also. So to help us uncomfortably examine our priorities, let's turn to Deuteronomy. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as we get ready to read this passage, I want to ask you yet another question. I want to ask you this. When given a choice, how much time would you choose to spend with someone that you love? 
not that you just love, but someone that you love with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. If you have a choice, how much time would you choose to spend with someone that you love with all of your heart, soul, and strength? And how about if that one that you love that deeply is also one who provides for you? And doesn't just provide for you, but also one who rescued you. Rescued you from certain death. How much time would you choose to spend with them? With that in mind, listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. This is Moses speaking to God, speaking for God to God's people, speaking to Israel. And here's what he says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If given a choice, how much time would you choose to spend with someone you love with all of your heart and soul and strength. Someone who's also your provider and your rescuer. If given a choice, how much time would you spend with God? And the thing that we need to acknowledge right here and up front is that we do have a choice. We do have a choice about how we spend our time. Now, don't get me wrong. I know I'm looking out on an audience of people who live very busy lives. I'm well aware of how busy many of your lives are. If I'm not there right now, I've been there, or I will be there. I'm aware that we live busy lives. But I'm also aware that many of the things that we say we have to do are really things that we choose to do. And here comes an uncomfortable part. If we say we don't have time for even the simplest of spiritual activities during our week, things like praying, things like reading our Bible, what we're also saying is that our spiritual life and our walk with God isn't truly our priority. And we can know it isn't our priority because that simply isn't how we choose to treat someone or something that we love with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. That isn't how we choose to treat our priorities. See, for our priorities, we find time. We use interesting language like we make time. We have time for the things that we love deeply. We say yes to the things that we prioritize, even if it means saying no to other things that we would like to do. You know, last week we talked about how important these times are, how important our Sundays are, our gathered worship times are in our walk with God. We talked about how important and transforming it is for us to join together as God's people in his presence on Sundays 
And I want you to know it's good and it's important that you are here. You are to be commended for making this time a priority in your life. But you also need to know that Sundays are just a part, a vital part, but just a part of our walk with God. Maybe we can think about it this way. Let's think about relationships. And when you are entering into a relationship, once a week meetings are fine, but those kinds of meetings are just for dating people. See, once a week meetings are for when when you're trying to decide if you love someone. But we're not dating God. Those of us who are wearing the name of Christ, who have been buried with Christ, clothed with Christ in baptism, we aren't trying to decide. We have decided. We have declared our love. And the time that we spend with our God reflects the depth of our love. That's what Moses is telling the people of Israel. If you love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength, you will make him your priority. We understand that, don't we? Most of us have experienced that. What do we do with the words of someone that we love deeply? Well, we treasure those words, don't we? We store those words up in our hearts. We even tell those words to others. We talk about them. To use Moses' words, we tie them and bind them and we write them. We hang on their words and we hang on to their words. Because that's the way that true love works, right? If you love someone deeply, when are they on your mind? Well, if you truly love someone deeply, the better question is, when are they not on your mind? They are on your mind first thing and last thing and in between things. Once a week is not enough. A long distance relationship just won't cut it. You find the time. You make the time. You say yes to the one you love even if it means saying no to other things you want to do. You say yes to the one you love because your love is your priority. Now, you may be thinking that kind of love just isn't sustainable, right? That kind of obsessive love just can't last. That kind of love is destined to fade over time. I think that's probably where some of us, maybe even many of us, are in our relationship with God. See, our relationship with God can become like lots of relationships, even like lots of comfortable but passionless marriages that are out there. You ever been around people who had that kind of marriage? Comfortable, but passionless. They have that comfortable relationship. They've been together for a long time. She doesn't expect a lot out of him as long as he doesn't expect a lot out of her. They, know, they both know that they'll be there for each other if they ever need to be there for each other. But in the meantime, in those comfortable times, she doesn't have a lot to say to him. And to be honest, if he's talking to her, she's not really listening. They aren't hanging on each other's words. They aren't much on each other's minds. Except they have one tradition. 
one tradition. They've been carrying it on for a long time. And they have one tradition that's become a habit. They have one date a week. They get together one day a week. And those kind of marriages may be comfortable, but they aren't with all your heart and soul and strength marriages. They're just a shadow of what marriages can be and what marriages should be. And if our relationship with God has fallen into that same kind of comfortable trap that many marriages fall into, if we're satisfied with just having a once a week date with our God, then our Christianity has become too comfortable. And this is exactly the concern that God has for his people. Listen as Moses continues to instruct Israel before they enter the promised land. Verse 10. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, swore to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and you are satisfied, when you are comfortable Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do you hear God's concern? He said, be very careful. Be very careful that when you become comfortable, you don't forget me. You don't forget the one who rescued you and blessed you and provides for you beyond anything that you could ever deserve. He said, be careful that you don't start treating the one you once loved with all your heart, soul, and strength, start treating him like he's no longer your priority. And how do you keep from forgetting the one you love, the one who rescued you? How do you keep from forgetting your God? Well, the recipe's fairly simple. You talk to him, and you talk about him. And you do that first thing and last thing and in-between things. You write him on your heart. You tie him and bind him and write him. You don't just, to get, you don't just get together with him once a week. You don't just have a Sunday date. That's not how deep relationships That's not how with your heart and your soul and your strength relationships are formed. And that's not how they are sustained. All relationships need constant nourishment. And that's especially true of our relationship with God. And what nourishes our relationship with God, what nourishes our relationship with God is time with God. So let me ask you another question. If given a choice... Would you choose to eat just one meal a week? Let that sink in. I know you very well. Would you choose to eat just one meal a week? Well, the answer is, of course not. Because what would happen to you if you tried to survive on one meal a week? Well, first, you would lose your energy, right? And then you'd lose your strength. And then you'd begin to waste away. And eventually, you would just die die from lack of nourishment. And what's true for our physical lives is also true for our spiritual lives. 
if given a choice, why would we choose to eat only one spiritual meal a week? Why would we try to get by on just Sunday brunch and let that try to carry us through the rest of the week? And once more, the reality is we do have a choice. Just like we always manage to find time or make time to eat, usually at least three meals a day, not even counting our snacks. We find time to eat. We find time to take in physical nourishment. We can also find time, can also make time to take in spiritual food. We can do that if it's our priority, if we hunger for spiritual food. Listen to these words from the first psalm. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. See, we're blessed when we meditate. We're nourished when we meditate, when we consume, when we chew on God's word. First thing and last thing and in between things. That's how we're nourished like trees that are planted by living streams of water. That's how we yield fruit. That's how we thrive. That's how we have the energy to get out of our boats and join Jesus out on the water. And maybe the reason that some of us aren't able to enjoy this feast, maybe the reason that we aren't able to eat and drink and get our fill on Sundays is because our spiritual stomachs are shriveled and shrunken. They're shriveled and shrunken because we haven't fed them any spiritual food the rest of the week. So they're not ready for the feast of Sundays. You see, as Christians, we have to face some very uncomfortable realities about our relationship with God and our walk with Jesus Christ. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to face the reality that if we don't treasure God, if God isn't truly written on our hearts, if we aren't spending time with him and talking to him and about him, if he isn't on our minds first thing, last thing, and in between things, then he really isn't our treasure. We may call him our treasure, but if we don't treat him like our treasure, he really isn't our treasure. He isn't our priority. And another uncomfortable reality is that if we don't consume the nourishment, then we really aren't being nourished. If we don't eat and drink from God's word, if we don't consume it, if we don't chew on it, if we don't do that first thing and last thing and in between things, then we aren't being nourished. You know, having our Bibles sitting on the end tables of our houses unopened during the whole week That's the spiritual equivalent of starving to death while there's a full refrigerator sitting there in your kitchen. We need to stop starving ourselves. We need to recognize that our relationship with God works on a loop, a loop that feeds on itself. See, 
that loop can be positive or that loop can be negative, and it's our choice. And that choice is a choice about time. If we choose to spend time with God throughout our week, if we do that first thing and last thing and in between things, our loop is going to be positive. Here's what we'll find out. We'll find out that the more time that we spend with God, the more we're going to love him. Time leads to love. And we're also going to find that the more that we love him, the more we're going to want to spend time with him. Love leads to time. More time with him, more love for him. More love for him, more time with him. But if we choose not to spend time with our God during our weeks, those loops are going to be negative. What we're going to find out is that the less time that we spend him, the less that we love him. Without time, love fades. It fades until it's forgotten. And we'll also find that the less that we love him, the less time that we'll want to spend with him. Without love, we don't find the time. When there's no love, there's no time. And when there's no time, there's no love. And so positive or negative, it's our choice. And if we're going to get out of our boats and follow Jesus out on the water, we must choose to transform our priorities. And we choose to transform our priorities by choosing to spend time with the one we love. First thing, last thing, and in between things. So I want to end by encouraging you. I want to encourage you to truly examine your priorities. Look at how you're spending your time. And then after you do that, I want to encourage you to choose to make God your treasure. And choose to make God your nourishment. So I want to encourage you to talk to God frequently. Let's ramp up our prayer lives. Let's be in continual conversation with God. Let's spend that kind of time with the one we love. And I also want to encourage you to treat God as you would treat the one you love with all of your heart and all of your mind and soul. Treat God as he should be treated. As the one who rescued you from certain death. Make God your priority. Talk about God. Tie his word, bind his word, write his words on your heart. And do that first thing, last thing, and in between things. And I also want to encourage you to have frequent family reunions. Just what this is right here. It's a family reunion. We come together with God and his people, and I want to encourage you to do that every chance you get. Remember, you're not dating God. You're not trying to decide if you love him. We come together because we love him and because he loves us. So let's not try to get by with just one meal a week. Let's not try to run a marathon on only one drink. No, let's eat ravenously. Let's drink deeply. And then let's sit back and marvel at what God does through us when we make him our priority. Let's pray together. God, open our hearts. 
to see you for who you truly are and open our hearts to see ourselves for who we truly are. Father, reveal our priorities. And then, Father, move us to make you our priority, our true love with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. Father, help us to pray to you continually. Help us, Father, to be in your word continually. And Father, help us to be together with your people, with your church, as often as it is possible so that we can be nourished, so that we can be built up. Father, so that we can realize the life that you would have us live in the kind of relationship that you would have us have with you. And Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So our uncomfortable challenge, number 38. And this is a nourishing challenge. And if you've already looked through your bulletin, you may have an idea what this challenge is going to be. I challenge you, every one of you, and us as a congregation, to read through the New Testament front to back, Actually, it's not front to back. It skips around a little bit, doesn't it? Read through the New Testament all the way through over the next 90 days. October, November, and December. In your bulletins, you'll see a reading plan. And I want to encourage you to take this plan and follow this plan, and it will guide you through the New Testament over the next 90 days. I want to challenge you to make that your priority. Can you do it? Yes, you can do it. It's very doable. It's not an unreasonable challenge at all, but it's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. It's going to have to be your priority. So why would you do that? Why would you commit to reading through the New Testament over the next 90 days? Well, here's one reason why. Well, you would do that because you love God with all of your heart and soul and strength. Here's another reason why you would commit to reading through the New Testament over the next 90 days. Because the more time that you spend with God, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you're going to find that you just love him. You're going to find that you're going to love him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. Why would you commit to reading through the New Testament over the next 90 days? Well, here's another reason why. Because I promise you that if you do that, he will nourish you. He'll nourish you like a tree that's been planted by a living stream. Take the challenge. Let's read through the New Testament together over the next 90 days. Now let's stand and let's sing. Sing, Lord, like a shepherd, we are.